Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Melanie Curtis. Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust, trusting the entire journey. Across the internet, family, our handle is trustthejourney.today. That is our Instagram. It's our website, all the things. If you want to support the show, support the podcast, join our community, you can subscribe on YouTube. You can follow us on Spotify or Instagram. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All of that stuff helps us reach more people. If you want to connect more directly and get support around your own healing and growth and integration, you can join the Trust the Journey family. So that's where we have a private Facebook community and get up to actually supporting each other and really connecting beyond the conversations on the show. So any amount on Patreon will get you in there. Um, And if you are looking for more live integration coaching, we are doing that now monthly. So even if you don't join the Patreon community, but you want to check that out and see if that version of support will help you, you can go to trustthejourney.today slash integration. If you want to reach out to Jay personally, my co-host, his website is jasonmaletsky.com and my website personally is melaniecurtis.com. Cool. So today I am absolutely thrilled to welcome into the space Kim Dudine. Yeah. <laughs> Kim, I'm going to torture you with your bio as we go, and then I will welcome (laughs) you gently (laughs) into this adventure that is today's episode. So Kim Dudine is a seasoned business development professional, writer, community builder, and consciousness expansion and psychedelics advocate. She is a director and partner at Trailblazers Presents, a community of executives, leaders, and innovators across the cannabis and psychedelics industry. Trailblazers is a dedicated is dedicated to holding executive retreats designed to inspire collaboration and authentic human connection. Heck yes. Prior to Trailblazers, Kim was a senior international business development specialist where she designed global business strategy and proposals for USAID-funded clean energy Water and National Resource Water and Natural Resources Management Projects. She lives in Ojai, California, and hosts consciousness elevation retreats at WeAreOneFrequency.com. She is currently writing a memoir on her spiritual awakening via grief, psychedelics, and inner healing. I had the great privilege of meeting Kim at Trailblazers in New York, and Kim, I am just so happy to, to have you here. Welcome. Thank you, Melanie. I'm super honored to be here with you. Yeah. Before we dive into questions and this and that, how are you feeling? I always like to ask people just how are you feeling today as you step into this trust the journey space, which we know is one for showing up as the real human we are? I'm feeling so synchronous. I've been, uh, I try to live my life by the trust the journey adage. Um, And then especially for the last year, it's kind of like life has asked me, like, how much do you deeply trust the journey? Right. And for the past couple of months, I've been nomadic and on the road and I left Ojai for the summer. I just felt the need to 
just go out and commune with the land and be off screens and um, come back to center. And yeah, it's it's so funny because I remember when we booked this podcast, I was like, wow, that's actually going to be at the end of this nomadic journey. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be like fresh, like truly, I think this is going to consider this an integration talk. Um, (laughs) So I'm feeling good. I'm honestly, (laughs) I'm landing. I'm definitely still landing and like looking around and taking stock of, you know, how much I've changed since I left Ojai, which is just three months ago. Yeah. Um, And how much my psyche has changed and how much I've just learned and yeah, moved through this summer and to come back to, you know, these places that largely stay the same. It's always like a direct confrontation with like, okay, can I can I come to this space as a new version of myself or am I going to slip into old patterns because it's super comfortable? And um, yeah, so I am deeply in integration. I'm feeling good. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into all the layers that the past summer and the past year and the the whole journey has been for me. Thank you for sharing that right away. Because again, we're going to get into all the badass things that you've done and all the beautiful contribution you're making and all of those things. Of course, we're going to talk about all of that. But I think I really believe deeply that showing up as the humans that we are, you know what I mean? That in conjunction with all the quote unquote badassery makes people realize the badassery is accessible to them because we are all human beings doing our best flailing around not knowing what we're doing you know doing our best to like heal and grow and contribute in all the ways that we're we're called to but anyway um i think it's interesting actually that we did schedule this a long time ago you know I was like, actually, no joke. I was trying to do like a Calendly thing. And I was like, oh, I got to start using Calendly and figure out how to automate some of my stuff. And I just put like very few options on the Calendly. (laughs) So it like put us months later. You know what I mean? Like it put us months later. Yeah. And a lot can happen in a few months, especially when you're on sort of a a journey like you've been on. I kind of want to go back to... The beginning for you, and I'm. I want to know a little bit about your origin story. Like, where are you from? What 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 have you? What did you come from? Because again, like I said, we're going to talk about all the all the other stuff. But I kind of want people to get to know you a little bit more at the root as well. Totally, and it's it's so funny. I always, whenever I'm asked this question, I'm like, I hear the the mental stories of like, what am I going to say? And it's like how much intimacy do we have with our own story and our own origins and how much like we how much time we give to um reflecting on mm-hmm. our origin stories cuz for me like it's it's a lot like i'm a writer i journal i meditate i have a deeply spiritual practice but speaking about your story objectively is always funny and yeah. um i heard this thing the other day and i wish i wish i could source where I heard it from but it was essentially you don't learn from experience you learn from reflecting on experience interesting it's it's beautiful that we (laughs) yeah we get so this is a a good conversation to kind of 
reflect, yeah, on the origin story. Circuitous way of starting my story, but I yeah. felt like I would just throw that in there. Um, so for me, yeah, I was born and raised in Johannesburg, South Africa. Um, my my father had a work opportunity when I was nine years old to come to the States, to New York for two years. And we took it. The crime rate was um, pretty abysmal in Johannesburg. And I just grew up. I, I remember I, I really idealized my childhood. But um, looking back, there were some things that were obviously not so normal now that um, you have a more mature mind to look back on things. Yeah, But I did have a deeply, deeply connected upbringing to the earth and to um, almost had like this indigenous lens of looking at the world. And to me, it wasn't strange to have a relationship with plant spirits and, um, you know, the whole ecosystem and to uh, put my hands on things to heal, to heal them or to help my mom with a headache. And that was just... You know, it wasn't, it was normative. Um, Animism consciousness is kind of a term for it. But, you know, the belief and the, the, the feeling of interconnectedness to the consciousness behind everything, to the potted plant in your room, to the lion on a safari, you know, it's, um, it's the whole spectrum. So I really grew up in a beautiful environment that lent itself to curiosity and lent itself to connection and yeah I was basically barefoot and outside for like 10 months out of the year um which I think now looking back has been such a gift because it's yeah and you know in in spiritual communities and in yoga we know that in order to rise high we need to root deep Um, And I really do feel that that upbringing in South Africa was like just these deep roots um, that I've really had to lean on um, over the past couple of years, especially moving down to Southern California. And there's so many, there's a lot of culture here kind of steeped in telling you who you should be and what success looks like. And there's, yeah, especially right now with social media and all of that, there's just so many examples and people telling you how to live your life. Yeah. And I feel like I would get, and I still do, but I feel like I would get so easily swept away in that if I didn't have like just a really rooted, deep sense of self. Yeah. And that's followed me my whole life, you know? So I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And yeah, so I immigrated to New York when I was nine Quite the culture shock. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely something. It wasn't like um, you know, a small town in the south with hospitality. It was like New York. It was the first time I'd seen sky rise buildings and snow and um that also developed so much of my personality of and, and maybe too much in a sense, but it definitely um uh, yeah, brought forth this skill to meet people where they are. And, you know, I used to call it shape-shifting. Like a lot of my friends used to call me chameleon because I could kind of meet people and just kind of assess, assess like how they would feel comfortable or what their humor style was. And I think a lot of that was 
from being an immigrant as a as a young kid and having to suss out yep. like how I'm going to be accepted and how yep. I'm not going to stand out and how I'm going to fit into this social group and um, the culture shock of that of just even seeing how people communicate differently here, uh, how people connect differently in America. Yeah. So I don't know. It was always a Can really beautiful. Can you give us an example of that just, of how people connect differently? Yeah, it's funny. I was just going to say, like, you know, in South African culture, we, we always have our hands on each other. Like, if you're speaking to someone, I would reach out and have my hand on your shoulder. And mm -hmm. um, even, like, in restaurants, you'll notice, like, waiters will come over and put their hand on the back of the person they're taking their order from. Mm -hmm. And it's not wow. strange. It's, like, truly this um, inherent warmth and inherent understanding of, like, hey, you know, and I, th I think we've lost the art of that in western society but especially coming to new york it's like you're not going to put your hand on someone at a deli they're like bacon <laughs> egg and cheese or what get out of line <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so i would like love that the contrast culture. was you know like i am so <laughs> i am so a physical touch person like i'm a hundred percent i'm very physically affectionate I'm definitely like, if I don't want you touching me, don't fucking touch me. And for those, yeah. like, but I, but for affection, I'm absolutely in the camp of of big hugs, of hands, and just even gentle, you know, platonic physical touch is just very, very much in mm -hmm. how I operate. No doubt, I love that. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I think uh, I think we are we're just so cerebral in the West, um, and we forget that we have these animal bodies that we're still occupying, regardless of how much our mind and our awareness and our psychology has advanced, and yeah, how we interact with each other has a lot of more intellectual understanding to like relationship dynamics, attachment styles, and all this. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like we're still animals in these yep. bodies that require, you know, that are receiving and perceiving this reality through five senses. Yeah. And the warm touch, the gentle touch, the subtle touch is such a signal to the nervous system and to the body that it's safe and that you're in um, the space of an ally and not a predator. Um, and it's, I'm getting full body chills even now because my body, I have such a deep relationship with my body. Um, it was actually like the body was definitely my entry point into Very. a spiritual awakening, um, which just looked like, you know, learning how to move emotion and energy through the body and not always having to journal or process or cry or talk. You know, talk therapy is wonderful. Speaking is amazing. But again, like, especially over the last year, I've just found a reconnection with how powerful it is to move energy yeah. through the body mm -hmm. and to keep the body feeling safe so that the mind and body and the heart can all start to be coherent um, in the story that we're telling ourselves and the energy that we're moving. So, yeah, that's a that's a that's just a small little example. But there's so many so many cultural differences that I almost, my friends call me a realm bridger. And I, I do believe that as part of my Dharma here, 
through this incarnation is because I I was so steeped in this one way of being and then had to develop a really contrasting way of being in order to survive. Right. So there's like this aspect of me that is, you know, incredibly mystical and metaphorical and creative and um, just so in like the etheric realms. And then there's also like the New Yorker in me that can root and ground that and get shit done and be able to engage with people in a logical linear way even if my awareness is operating out here i can kind of bring it into focus for um the more mundane tasks should i say yeah yeah that makes sense i mean because that's partly one of the things i was writing down when i was thinking about what i wanted to ask you and how to un veil your story through a line of questioning I was like I wonder how she became a business strategist you know (laughs) you know what I mean like it's sort of a funny thing when it's connected to this other part of you that is so so apparent and I and I acknowledge that because team for those of you listening when I walked in the door of the trailblazers event and I had, Kim, you and I had connected on email. Anna Ray had connected us, our mutual friend. And was we had this lovely, warm introduction ahead. So I knew that I was going to meet you. But I remember that day and I was, I was feeling a little bit nervous. And it's not typical for me to feel nervous when I'm going into social spaces. I have tons of experience going into social spaces by myself and just getting to know people because I love people deeply. So it's not that hard for me usually to be very detached from outcomes. I'm not like, I have to network with this person and this person and this person. I can bring that New York edge too to my style. It's just not typically where I am deeply rooted. So anyway, I walk into the room and you immediately, we immediately see each other. And it was just like your energy was so palpably warm and gentle and kind that I felt immediately at ease. All of that concern and fear that I had walking into this new space that I really care about dissolved like instantly. And I know you know that those two days, I, you know, I did my thing. I met a bunch of people. I loved on people and I made connections and all of those things. And that, in part, is because of how you welcomed me when I walked in the door. And so I honor that part of you. I acknowledge that part of you. It makes a difference. It really does. And so anyway, how did you become a business strategist? <laughs> and and <laughs> concurrently, how did you end up into, and I know they're probably two different stories, but how then did you end up? in service to cannabis and psychedelics, because that obviously is something I care a lot about as well. Yeah, well, thank you, love. I mean, I think for most of us who have felt a deep sense of feeling unwelcome and not having warmth and knowing what doesn't feel, feel good intuitively when you're around people, I think we, from that place, build the skill set to make sure we never make other people feel that way and that's kind of where I've been coming from my whole life is that I just we can get into this but um my I I say this a lot to people it's like just 
just be the highest ticking cuckoo clock in the room because <laughs> you can entrain people to that. <laughs> yep, that's right. And there's like a lot of there's a lot of quantum physics actually behind that, which is really cool about entrainment and it works and it works. And you're also gifting yourself. Like I think a life hack for me is, um, and my dog has taught me this is like, you know, when you're being kind, you get to experience kindness. Yes. And when you're offering love, you get to experience love. And when you're offering warmth, your body gets to experience warmth. And it's like this whole cessation of this outsourcing, um, external looking way that we've started to live our lives is that we always have to get these feelings from external sources. But even just like sitting next to my dog and looking at him and feeling the love from him, I'm like, wow, what a life hack because now I'm sitting in love. So it's really, thank you. I really, I really received that. I love I love making people feel welcome at home. So thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, business. <laughs> this is, I was actually just catching up with a dear friend last night about, felt like the last 10 years was not a detour, but almost like this parallel timeline in my life that I needed to explore in order Maybe. to pick up the story here where we are today. Um, so yeah, originally I went to, um, I went to Penn State University. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first enrolled, I was an English and psychology major. My whole life I've wanted to just understand the human mind. Um, I've been a writer, I've been a deeply feeling artist, and that's really what I wanted to do with my life. I kind of just either wanted to be a therapist or write or an English teacher and be very much in that realm. And then um, December 31st, the first semester of my um, yeah freshman year at college, my fiance, boyfriend, partner was killed in Iraq. Oh, and no. And I just had this life-shattering, life-altering pattern interruption. Wow. And it was, you know, it was... It happened while I was home, you know, for the holidays and basically had like 14 days to decide if I think I could go back to school. Wow. And I mean, I'm I'm not sure if I'm sure you have since you're a human undergone grief. But um, yeah, that grief at such a young age was like a blunt force trauma to the brain emotionally. Um, which we can we can talk about on so many different layers, which um, I've been unraveling and unwinding the last couple of years. Um, but we'll put a pin in that because that's yeah. really where psychedelics came in to 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 rewire that fear based yes. programming. Um, essentially, you know, and I don't know how she did it. Like I look back at it, my eighteen year old self, I'm like, you are so incredible, and I just. A lot of my meditations over the past couple of years have just been calling her in and been mm. loving her and been bowing to her because, yeah, sometimes I look back now, I'm like, wow, she was a warrior. Um, and so I made the decision. I, I wasn't going to um, not go back to school. I was going to make sure that I kept moving forward and decided to change my major. So I wow. came back to... 
Penn State in January and I completely switched everything. I switched to international politics, national security, and Middle Eastern studies. Wow. So I like completely took this pivot in my life and I was like, actually, I guess this is what I'm going to do. And um, yeah, so I, you know, I studied Arabic. I was very, very um, strong-willed on having like a career in government or countering violent extremism or yeah, something along those lines that I felt like I didn't have to just be so abruptly dragged out of the military world. Wow. Um, and so I did that for four years. And when I graduated, I, um, yeah, one of my first, one of my first jobs was um, working in DC. I was in DC for six years and uh, just kind of fell into designing um, strategic communications programs for the Department of Defense. Wow. And I was in that world. Yeah, I was in that world for a very long time. And that was like where my like really, really corporate business side yep. came out because mm. um, it was a matter of life and death in a lot of in a lot of scenarios. And you had to be extremely, extremely plugged in and logical and linear. And it kind of just developed this whole different skill wow. set for me. Um, yeah, so, but fast forward to, um, I was in defense for a couple years and then I really started to, I started my deep, deep healing journey and realized that, wow, I had made all these decisions over the past couple of years entirely based on losing Warren mm -hmm. and I was ready to start to make decisions based on wanting to live my own life again. Yes. And so I left defense and went into international development. And this is where I really honed my skill set in business development and business strategy and designing five-year projects in uh, developing countries. And it was just, yeah, it was the amount of skills I, I got from that. I don't think I would be able to be doing any of what I'm doing now. Right. Um, so that that's kind of the, the small... 10,000 foot view on how I got into business. Yeah, it's fascinating about, wow, thank you for sharing your story, by the way. And it's, I love that you brought up how things, when they happen to us at different points in our lives, like you mentioned that you, I think you used the word like blunt force trauma, like it just because you were such a young person who had not experienced ton in the in your young life and also then this notion of calling that person that young person in acknowledging her loving her in the ways that maybe she didn't get to be loved back then because you didn't and she didn't you didn't know how that is so normal and so understandable like even just planting the seed for people listening that stuff can happen and then it can take a long time to heal and it can ironically and almost strangely be in service to how we then grow, evolve, and serve, which is fascinating, right? Because I, I look at that and I go, you developed all these 
very logical, very type A, very get shit done skills that now are 100% serving you in supporting the healing movement, supporting plant medicine, supporting and holding space for and retreats that actually function and help people feel safe to show up and meet themselves deeply. You know, that is a thing to create a safe container. That's a whole different conversation, you know, but like, I feel like I hear a lot of really necessary building blocks in your story that we could easily be like, oh, my God, I worked for the Department of Defense. Fuck, why did I do that? Well, you know, you know what I mean? I, I don't judge that at all, but more meaning like in a, in one totally. part of the conversation, you could be like judging those past choices and those past experiences versus what I yeah. feel like you're doing is seeing them for the value they've provided you and how they're now actually a part of supporting you into what you're doing now so tell us more about what you're doing now you know how did you get into the cannabis and psychedelic spaces and you started mentioned you started doing your healing and of course if that's the starting point for your share of course we want to hear stories about your healing or your spiritual path as well yeah yeah there's there's so many it all feels like one path honestly and I my dear sister always says this, but um, you can only understand life backwards, um, which again is coming to that <laughs> that theme of reflection of like, right, okay. Like it's so funny getting people's reactions, especially at like a Trailblazers event where I'm right. like, yeah, I actually my first job after out of, out of college was a naval intelligence officer. And they're like, <laughs> right. what? <laughs> Does not compute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so but it's, <laughs> but it's, uh, there's, there were so many avenues that led me into um, the psychedelics realm and to the, so funny that we call it alternative because it's actually really the majority of the way that human beings live on this planet outside Thank of the you. West. Thank um, you. And it's the natural, organic way and it's the, you know, thousands and thousands of years of organic wisdom being passed through generations and lineages. And then we come in here with our fancy mics and call it alternative. It's just, yeah. it's so, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's why we're here. We're here to, to, to bridge the realm and to come back to, yeah, all that just beautiful inherent wisdom that we already have access to. Um, you know, my, I would say my upbringing is also like another starting point. Um, you know, I didn't, my, my father is an Italian man and grew up with a, a very Catholic family that he felt very restricted by and yeah. um, recognized the dogma and um, wanted a connection to God, to the divine, to creation, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it just felt like a door he was squeezing through. Um, that didn't feel quite true to him, and he didn't want to do that to his kids. And my mother was um, quite similar. She grew up in Zimbabwe, and like I said, also had like a very inherent organic connection to the earth and to the spirit realm. And um, yeah, quite quite psychically open, and had a lot of early experiences as a young girl that she was, um, yeah, that she wasn't really given the tools to work through. 
So for when you know when they had children, it was like from the one side of my my father, he didn't want to impress any dogma on us. He wanted us to find truth and God and the divine in whatever way we felt it. If that was yeah. you know sitting in a tree or singing to the water, beautiful. And my mom also came from an upbringing where she had all these psychic and intuitive gifts and um, intuitive hits about things and um, didn't have really the capacity to develop that. And so I grew up in a household where we were, you know, practicing um, Reiki, which is a beautiful Mm -hmm. Japanese lineage of uh, energy medicine, energy healing, and a bunch of other things. So there wasn't really a lot of parameters around like, this is how you should live a life and this is how you should think. Um, there was a lot of creative expression allowed in my house household, which really gave such fertile soil for just always, you know, following the pings of my heart instead of listening to what society was asking me to do. So if I were to start anywhere, it would definitely be with my parents um, who just created that opening nurturing environment that made me feel safe to explore Mm -hmm. what may be deemed as divergent thinking in our society um, or alternative as we were saying. Um, But a a much deeper connection really did start to happen when I graduated college and, you know, in our society, especially in like big, big 10 state schools in the U S it's, such there's such a culture around drinking and numbing out and um yeah just I I I graduated from college and was just feeling like you know I hadn't really paid homage to my grief in the way that I needed Mm -hmm. to I hadn't I had been numbing out for many years and wanting to you know have this heartache but also wanting to just be a kid and experience and have fun and there were these two forces that were consistently clashing Right. Um, and so after college, I really realized, like, you know what? Drinking makes me mentally feel like shit, makes no, me physically true. feel like shit. Um, and you know what doesn't? Cannabis. Mm. Yep. Cannabis actually makes me feel connected and mm-hmm. um, funny and creative and wanting to share more. And so I started to develop this relationship with cannabis that really started to become sacred in my late Mm. 20s where, um, as I said, like my first entry point was was yoga and just getting my body right um, and feeling good in my body. And then it felt like once I create, again, like this fertile soil concept, once I created like this environment of homeostasis in my physical body i felt like then i could finally get to like the mental and emotional body and energetic bodies um and i started working with cannabis in a really different way it i started to just see it as like this not this um quote-unquote drug that we're told is like something that we can abuse and it's so transactional and i don't know you you smoke a joint and watch a movie or whatever it is, but you actually realize that there's an essence emanating and animating this plant. And there's actually a conversation happening. Right. um, If you're willing to listen. And, you know, I, I, I I can talk about cannabis forever. She's a master plant. She's literally Mm -hmm. a crystalline plant. I mean, you've seen the trichomes on the cannabis plant. Like that is a divine being. And Mm -hmm. it is, the plant, um, you know, 
ganja was a sacred sacred medicine in India. So a lot of my a lot of my charge in the cannabis industry is reframing how we relate to a plant that to me is on the levels of ayahuasca and other master plants and other master psychedelics and has um the potential to heal if you are truly sitting with the plant um so that's a little that's a short kind of segue into how i got into this world yeah oh i Thank you for sharing that too. I, I'm always just like in such gratitude when I'm on any Trust the Journey podcast with any guest because I just, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. Changing the narrative. I actually don't have a lot of experience with cannabis. I have some experience with cannabis. It was never something that I felt really called to do that much. I, you know, have some quote unquote recreational experiences in my youth and this and that, but very much because of my experience healing with psychedelics and those master plants that I I am and being in community with other people who have similar sacred experiences with cannabis at, as a healing plant, as a healing partner. You know what I mean? I absolutely am one of those people whose mind has been changed. You know what I mean? And I believe very strongly around being in service because I have said this a lot, but I'm not a facilitator. I'm not a researcher. I'm not a scientist. How can I be in service to this movement, to these medicines, is I can use my voice. I can use my storytelling. I can pass the mic to other people to tell their stories so that we can collectively shift our perception and our relationship with the even idea about them, right? Like I grew up Nancy Reagan, <laughs> just say no to drugs. Of course, I'm like, whoa, whoa, psychedelic, what? No, you know, whoa, whoa, smoking <laughs> weed, what? No, like, of course, if we're fed that, of course, if that idea is rooted in our and our psyche and and just culture that we would be controlled by that idea. And I say that not in a bad way or judgmental way because yeah. there's lots of ideas that I select that I want to control me, right? I choose to believe that the universe has my back and that everything is for me. That's a self-selected idea that motivates yeah. and drives my actions. So anyway, I'm kind of going off on a bit of a tangent myself. <laughs> but all because I'm loving what you're sharing about this changing the narrative around cannabis and how it can serve and all the all the stuff that I believe is very parallel to how I feel about psychedelics. But um, so, yeah. So how did you get involved with Trailblazers? Because tell us more about Trailblazers, because I feel like it's a unique space and it's a, important when we come together in community. But I feel like Trailblazers has this unique energy where it's like, it's a very intentional community, it seems like. It ha does have business energy to it, and it has connected human connection, spiritual healing energy to it. So I just would like to hear more about that mission and that community. Yeah, totally. Um, gosh, so when COVID hit, I was, still, um, I was still working in international development. The week prior to everything being shut down, I was in 
Colombia designing a counter deforestation project. And for the past like two years, I was just feeling like I wanted my external reality to reflect all the internal changes I've mm-hmm. been making over the past couple of years. And I'd been doing some deep healing journeys with psilocybin and as I had mentioned, using cannabis and meditations and just really like looking at all the stuff under the hood. Um, a lot of it just programming that I realized was born from a mind steeped in grief and a mind steeped in, as you said, choosing our thoughts. The thoughts that were controlling me was, I'm so aware of how much loving someone um, has the potential to destroy you. And everyone is mortal and right. So I was like just looking at life through this lens of fear and kind of like, when is it going to kind of clobber me again? Um, And I, I felt like, you know, this international development career, though it was beautiful and it was, I was traveling to developing countries and I was felt like I was being of service. I just felt like it was like an, an old skin that I hadn't completely shed and for me, like I, I'm kind of an all-in person. Like I, yeah. I, I'm not like a toe dipper. And I was like really going all in on healing and researching psychedelics, and honestly, just remembering that there's a whole other way of existing than the one that we're told. Um, and it was a really powerful time in my life. I had left. New York. I had lived in a van for a cu- for a couple months. I had moved to California, um, and cannabis and psychedelics were becoming a bigger and bigger part of my journey and my healing and my awareness and my expansion. And I had, you know, started to think about how to how to basically be of service to the plants in a way that I felt I was really being called to. Yeah, um, and yeah. I, I think, what was it? I think Trailblazers was pretty early on in its inception. And I had gone on a hike with a dear friend, Ryan, and he was telling me about like this new startup that was going on that I would really love. And essentially I ran home and searched Tyler Waxstein, who's one (laughs) of the founders, and asked him if we could have a call. I was like, I've got to talk to you because this is basically been like this vision of this prayer that I've been having for the past year or so. And we got on a phone call and I don't think we stopped talking for like over two hours. And it was just one of those divine synchronous moments where, you know, they were still getting their their feet and kind of understanding what the identity of Trailblazers was going to be. Um, and, you know, Trailblazers was born from Summit Series, which is yep. a much larger kind of um, similar idea, but retreat experiences, um, immersive experiences for leaders across the world to come together yes. and connect in a new way. Um, and then Trailblazers was an offshoot of that, of how do we take that model and um, create a similar space for leaders and innovators and, um, yeah, just thought leaders in cannabis and psychedelics. And Trailblazers was born from that and they had had a few events, but there was really still, you know, like this beautiful space where it was still becoming what it was becoming. Yeah. Um, 
and me coming from like a deeply healing journey and a space of consciousness and so much respect and reverence for the plant, um, I wanted to no longer be preaching to the choir to, you know, all my spiritual friends or my community around how powerful these things were. But I wanted to look at like kind of like the point of change and where I could insert myself. And that was definitely executives and business leaders and people that do have the capital or the resources or the connections in cannabis and psychedelics to actually be stewards of the industry and make sure that we can have a say in what this industry is going to look like. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, cannabis has been around forever, but the corporatized part of it, the commercial side of it is pretty nascent. Um, and if you don't have, if you don't have kind of trailblazers at the forefront, setting the standards for the industry, um, creating a community, um, and the beautiful part of community is when you create a community, you become accountable, right? And you become accountable to each other because people know you personally. And you, you want to do good business and you want to stick to your word. Um, so uh, honestly, it was a, a phone call and a heart calling. And I've been with Trailblazers ever since. That was a couple years ago now. And yeah, the mission for me at Trailblazers is to especially with what we see in the industry today and why we see not failure, but um, kind of a failure to launch for cannabis yeah. is mm-hmm. is kind of the theme that we're seeing just because for so many factors. But, you know, for me, it really feels like we have to reflect the consciousness of the plant. Like this is the first time that we are commercializing and corporatizing and sticking brand names and over geneticizing and pulling and prodding at this plant um, when it's a plant spirit and it's a certain frequency. And I do feel like we're still kind of marching into resonance with her and then it's going to flow. But I think we have to be as human beings, like our business practices, just they have to change if we're going to be working with such powerful allies and such powerful teachers. Um, and that's essentially my charge at Trailblazers is love that is getting all these beautiful people and executives um, who might have like the type A linear logical thinking, because of course that's how you create a successful business. Okay. But then how do we welcome in the ceremonial? How do we welcome in um, actually embodying, you know, the frequency and the intelligence and the consciousness of the cannabis plant of psychedelics okay. and letting it change the way we do business, letting it change the way we work. And maybe that means we play more. And that's like yeah. a big, big part of Trailblazers is a lot of people show up and they're ready to like hand out business cards <laughs> and they've got their suit on and they're <laughs> super stoked to just speak to the incredible people and I remember last last year at Ohio, I had a, a, a interaction with a, uh, a gentleman who it was his first Trailblazers. And he was like in a suit and he was ready to go. And he showed up and, you know, I greeted him at the door. I was like, listen, brother, I think you should go back to your hotel room. I think you should put a T-shirt on, kick your shoes off. Yeah. Come to the cooking class. This is This is so different than what you're expecting. Yeah. And I promise you. I promise you, it is not at the expense of your KPIs. It is not yep. at the expense of good business relationships. Yep. 
I promise you there is a different way of doing this mm-hmm. and it can be fun and it can be intimate and we can find the depths in human connection again and have it actually improve our business practices and our business outcomes and our business decisions and our collaborations tenfold. No and it was like, question. You know, I, I love seeing that. Yeah. No question about it. I could not agree more. It's so funny that like I'm a life coach. I've been a life coach for going on a couple of decades. It's a long time. It was not cool at all when I started doing it. And I'm a businesswoman. I've been building my own businesses and helping people with business for a long time, too. And I say that more to add some color into why I'm going to say what I'm about to say is that it is wildly obvious through the course of my work with people that the depth and the humanity is such a powerful force. We work with people we like. We work with people we trust. Uh We want to have a sustainable and I say that it's almost it's a bad word to use now because it's so overused and it's a buzzword and people will probably hear it the way that they have heard it in the bigger storytelling around that word. But we we need we will basically we crumble under the pressures of not being allowed to be our human selves in this old paradigm of business. And I'll tell you, part of why I have felt so radically energized and creatively called and deeply fulfilled by my business, which is a business, uh, there's money exchanged. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's it's a it's a thing. Why that still has resonance and sustainability, why I can still point to the coaching work that I do and go, this is the most fulfilling thing that I do is because there's humanity in it. I'm able to say the F word. I'm able to make Mm -hmm. stupid jokes. I'm able to, you know, be (laughs) like, hey, Kim, can you reschedule? Ah, like, oh, not reschedule, but push an hour because somebody needs to talk. And that's not to say that I'm talking about being flaky or out of integrity. I'm a very high integrity person. Being in high integrity with one's word is not mutually exclusive to being a person with feelings with fears and needing and wanting a space where we can be gently and safely and comically held. You know what I mean? So anyway, I I feel like I resonate so powerfully with so much of what you're saying today, girl, that I keep going on these tangents of my own riffs because please. Yes. Like it really is like, yes, all of this. I believe deeply in the in the future of business being possible to be changed. And I think, like you said, trailblazers in the way that it's titled, but it's true. Like we need to be in the world as the as the people that we are leading in the way that we are finding success in the ways that we are, because that's the thing. That's the metric that people go and say that's why it works or why I would want to try it versus thinking about, oh, this is actually deeply fulfilling. Oh, this is actually relational. Oh, this is actually contributory in a way that I didn't realize, oh, this is actually something I can do for 20 years and still be deeply fulfilled. 
trust me, I'm a gross minded person. Sure. It's not like I'm doing the same thing for 20 years. But anyway, you see, you see where I'm going with this. But if you have anything more to say on, on that oh part, gosh, I would yes. invite it. But yeah. Well, I mean, so many things. A, like neuroscience is literally showing us that we are way more productive, way more creative when we're actually in a dynamic of play. And B, humans don't want to, It's as you said, it's not sustainable to be in a space for 40 plus hours a week, Monday through Friday, where you are putting on a mask. Correct. And you feel like, I mean, what successful relationship do you have I'm going to tell you it's none where you feel like you can't really come naked to the altar of that relationship. 100%. And I'm not saying like we have to completely merge our personal and professional lives, but I am also deeply, deeply in trust of the intelligence behind life. And if sure? that is a core belief that I have, then I deeply trust that everyone is miraculously designed with a gift that actually gifts back to them because and I know it's such, you know, an old cliche, but when you're doing things you love and when you're being fully yourself, there's, it's almost like there's an endless source. There's a wellspring that gets activated energetically because you are being of service. And as we talked about in the beginning of this conversation, when you feel like you're being of service, you're also experiencing being of service in yourself. So it's just so much more fulfilling. And yeah, I, I really do think that we're we're really like on the fringe right now. The next couple of years are going to be so exciting with AI and just so many things becoming automated because the play and the creation and the creativity gets to come back into the room and be like, okay, well, if this computer, if this program can do mostly what we have been doing, then like, what's our what's our full creative gift? They and were, it's going to be exactly who you are, your opinions about the world, how you think you should do business, um, like your experience, how you relate to one another. And honestly, I know that there's so many reasons to feel terrified for where reality is going, but I feel so optimistic. And that's another big thing about Trailblazers is like, you got it, you got to, we have to gather. Um, we have to gather. Okay. We have to be in community. We have to have reflected to us physically through other people's palpable, tangible experiences that they felt the way that we're feeling, that they're going through the same challenges, that they have a hand that we can reach out to um, and come back to like the village mentality that we are, no man is an island and that we are part of an ecosystem and it's actually how we're designed is to lean on each other and to work with each other. And there's no way you can lean on each other if you're not fully coming authentically as who you are. Um, so yeah, that's another thing with trailblazers is just making sure it feels like a space. You know, it's always funny watching people like kind of look around and realize that it's not what they were expecting and seeing like the OG trailblazers who have been to like five or six events, and, like welcome them in and be like, this is not, don't worry, this is actually one of those spaces where uh, <laughs> we can let creativity run free. Yeah, yeah. And that's the value of it, totally. Speaking of creativity, there's no way we can let this interview go by. I want to hear absolutely about your writing and the book that you're writing. So we're sort of left turning back to the grief, the healing journey. Why, what, what is tell us about what you're doing the book that you're writing i want to hear 
I have plenty of thoughts on this. I'm writing a book about my experiences with psychedelics and my deep healing journeys because I believe that's service. But I don't like to assume everyone's motivations for writing or sharing their stories are the same. You know what I mean? Um, There's more certainly I could say about my stuff, but I want to hear about what you're writing, why you're writing it, and We'll get more into the creative, I think, the creative actual process after, but but tell us about the project first and and what it's meant to do and what it why you're called to do it. Yeah, of course. Um, and I forgot about that. I'm so excited to offline just go into all the book writing things yeah. and the challenges oh, yeah. and the schedules <laughs> yeah, and oh, yeah. making sure you devotion devotionally show up to the to the <laughs> right. art that you're offering the world. Um, honestly, writing has always been my simplest, most true way of understanding my experience, um, of understanding my experience truly, because most of the times when I'm truly in like a flow state and writing, I'll step back and like read a couple pages and be like, holy shit, who is she? Like, how does she know all this stuff? You know? And for... I think for any artist, you get to this point where you realize, and this is just kind of how I framed it, like it's never really been me that's been doing the writing. It's mm. kind of my sacred space to open up this channel and answers come through. And that's why I want to bring it back to accessibility because so many people are like, I'm not an artist. I can't sing. I can't write. I'm not creative. And it's like, well, just honestly, have you just sat down? I call it ass in chair writing. But okay. it's also like ass in the meditation cushion meditating. Like just just bring yourself to the altar and see what happens because I'm surprised every single time. Yes. Every single time I think I don't have anything to say and I open a blank page and it's like this conversation with the divine, this conversation with wisdom that I for some reason don't have like a conscious interaction with. Um, when I'm immersed in the human experience, but when I make the sacred space to have that conversation with my soul, with my heart, with whatever you might believe comes through, I mean, it's the most of service thing I could think of to do in this lifetime is to have a gift of basically translating, you know, these quantum realities and these visions that I'm getting into this physical realm and then providing them as like, a a point of um, people feeling seen, people feeling heard, making sense of their journey as well. And it sounds like we have similar inspirations behind writing. But if I were to be really honest, the number one reason is to make sense out of this journey for myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I started to write. Writing really saved me when I was grieving so heavily. And, um, you know, that whole experience just really it was just a toolbox that I had to kind of understand and reflect on um, the intense emotional turbulence that I was going through and really start to untangle it and unwind it. And yeah, I think, you know, the inspiration is, is really to just be a voice for this evolution that we're going through because it is an evolution. It's a cognitive evolution. There are, things in our psyche that are being liberated and also looked at that are scary and we might not have the tools to deal with because I'm not going to sit here and say psychedelics are a panacea. They uh-huh. are a tool uh-huh. um, and they can they can kind of serve as like a 
emergency parachute of aid in a really cognitive stagnant society right now. But also, yep. you know, there's there are really scary and challenging things that happen psychologically when you work with psychedelics. And so I want to have this book of like, I've been there too. You're not going crazy. This is like, you know, when you say yes to feeling your life, which most of us have learned how to close our heart and to just be here. But when you say yes to feeling your life, when you say yes to psychedelics, you're saying yes to all of it. You don't get to pick or choose. Correct. Um, and there's just, you know, I, I, I love that there is a renaissance and a reawakening right now around psychedelics, but I also want really solid grounded voices um, that can walk the beautiful ego and the linear mind that needs to have quantitative data to feel safe. Yes. Like we can all sit with psychedelics and be like, you know what? I realize that I am a being of light, that I exist everywhere all the time, all at once. I've incarnated as everyone here on this planet, right? You can get all this wisdom, but then your consciousness is still coming back into this body that is Kim, into this body that is Melanie. And Kim and Melanie deserve the sweetness and the reverence of integrating that quantum reality into this third dimensional body. Like it's, yes. regardless of the information we're accessing via psychedelics, we're still operating in this animal body that will one mm -hmm. day go away and the consciousness won't. But this, I, at this point, like it's in service to this human that I get to be. Yes. Like I get to hold and love and steward and parent this woman that is Kim. And kidding? I get to access, you know, larger swaths of information and intelligence and awareness. And then I get to bring that back into this physical realm and be of service to like the very real touchable physical reality that we are still working to change and elevate and enlighten. Um, so, yeah, and there's so many more ways to say that. But essentially, it's an anecdotal journey through the awakening process and like real time writing, like not reflecting back on being like, oh, my God, you know, this challenge taught me this. It's like I've been writing this book in real time for the past three years and I'm feeling like I'm coming to a culmination point that it can be yes. wrapped up and then I could start the next one. But I think it was really powerful for me to know real time like, hey, I'm actually currently experiencing an ego death as I mm. type this. This is what yeah. I'm feeling. This is how my body is reacting. And this is how I'm coaching myself through this moment. Yes. I think that's just going to be massively helpful for just, yeah, for, for people to have. Yes. Accessibility, totally. Accessibility comes through ideas. Ideological access is just as important as actual, literal, physical access to the experiences, the medicine, yeah. the safe spaces. It's all part of it because no one's going to step into a space or step into relationship with a medicine without first ideologically crossing that that gap for themselves, most likely. Um, so, yeah, I think telling I these stories so. <laughs> and yeah, and creating these resources are super critical. So thank you for doing that. I before we close, I, I mean, I want you to share where people can connect with you and stuff like that. But I also want to hear at least at least if you have a moment about we are one frequency. So because I know you're creating other yeah. things like so that's something else. So tell us about that. And then, you know, we'll yeah. talk about where people can get in touch with you and support you and go from there. Amazing. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, one frequency is the honor of a lifetime. And even just to quickly agree with your last point, like I only take your time. Read Michael Pollan's book. (laughs) I read Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, for about two years before I actually sat with psilocybin. Um, Because I have, I, I wouldn't actually identify with this now, but back then, I wanted my brain really wanted to understand what exactly was happening and that book was like that book was such a key code for me to realize okay there's like this there's that this is what's happening in my brain and this is why um these visuals happen this is why the healing happens and it was so good it was such a good starting point for me to feel safe to even consider sitting with that medicine love it um so just a plug for you know taking your time if it's interesting to you like do what you need to do to feel safe and really feel like because that's that's really helpful information to have in your logical mind when you're in a very deep medicine journey like that has come to me before and like actually like i've been like flash like brain scans of my research in a deep medicine journey and being like oh right this is what's happening wow um so there's many ways to do it but i'll just make a plug for that yeah Um, and then yeah speaking on just gosh i could i know we didn't even get into this but for another day but the just the technology that is psilocybin. I mean, it <laughs> truly is a technology. And um, yeah, about what, yeah, four years ago now, I had one of the deepest, probably heroic doses of a psilocybin journey in Mount Shasta. Very. And it was just done with such perfection and ceremony and safety and integrity. And it gave me the blueprint for what a healthy, beautiful, supportive, empowering medicine space looks like. Yeah. And from that moment, any other time I've been in a space that doesn't reflect that, I'm out. And that's just like, yes, you know, it's it's so important when you're new to this space to really trust yourself. And if it doesn't feel right, leave. There are so many healers that are coming into the space now that know how to hold massive space for the massive transformation that you may or may not experience. Yes. Um, so I have for this calling that out because it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, these three other women that I work with, Mary, Katrina, and Tiffany, we met in Mount Shasta and it was almost like this instant recognition. And on this deep psilocybin journey, we all had the same exact visions. We got basically handed this gift of this is this, you know, regardless of what you entity, idea, thought form, this is this creative energy desiring to come through your physical vessels. Mm. And will you will you take the opportunity? And it was the the whole blueprint for one frequency. It wow. was the entire blueprint. And and yeah, full body chills. It was just it was incredible. And we, you know, and it took us, <laughs> to be honest, I'm still integrating that. That was four years ago because things will come to me from that journey and I'll be like, holy shit, that is actually this moment that I'm watching oh, right now. Oh my like, God. It's, it's so, so amazing. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's incredible. Um, and I have never respected or honored something more than I do this container that we call one frequency and all of us have our own separate healing journeys um, and come from so many different angles from like healing and consciousness expansion. Um, You know, 
Mary, she healed her Lyme disease, chronic Lyme disease, which she was incredibly sick with for over a decade um, with Combo. And now she's, you know, a carrier of that medicine and has healed herself. And um, there's just so much intelligence in that, in that, um, in that medicine as well. Uh, My sister Katrina, she's been uh, deeply practicing shamanic work um, and has, you know, gotten off of SSRIs and worked through um, so much through plant medicine. Um, And then my other dear sister, Tiffany, she's from the Philippines. She's steeped in that lineage of healing. And it's just like these, it's just this container of four women who have like been on this high integrity path of just wanting to um, create what we haven't seen um, in spades, which is really, as we said, high integrity, energetically pristine space for whatever emotions need to be unlocked, liberated, seen, Everything. felt, loved, parented, um, and doing that in a way from like, I've been there and I'm with you and I'm standing next to you as an ally. I'm not a guru. I'm not a Everything. teacher. I'm not the healer in this space. I am a healer of my own life and I'm going to stand shoulder to shoulder with you because we've got a lot of healing to do and the only way we're going to do it is together. And I, I, with our retreats, I think the first day people like kind of get, you know, we get a lot of people that are hungry for healing and are, you know, the first day are like, show me, teach me, tell me. And we're, we just hold up the mirror and we're like, you've got all the answers. And really the most divine healer is the one that creates the energetic space for you to feel so empowered and you look at their healing journey and you're like, I'm the same exact human being that they are. We all have different skill sets and I have total accessibility to my um, to my healing. And I really want to end this trend of outsourcing, as we said, you know, in the beginning of this Welcome. conversation. And it's really our retreats are designed to A, bring us back into ceremony. Yeah. And B, you know, be able to touch these what you might call ecstatic states of consciousness, what the Greeks call trance states. Um, what some psychologists have deemed actually to be the normative consciousness is actually in this trance blissful state that exists out of time, space, reality. But how to touch those states of consciousness, how to experience them with safety, how to expand them at your own will, and then come back into this physical realm and then walk as a more embodied being. Yes. And, you know, a person of much deeper compassion for yourself first. Um and yeah, it's it's honestly the honor of a lifetime. We hold we've held retreats in Joshua Tree in Mexico, um, just recently in Mount Shasta. We're going to have one coming up in the Dominican Republic um, in March. And it's really just the art of bringing ceremony and destigmatizing this way of being and this Wonderful. way of living and this way of thinking. Um, and yeah, just turning turning the mirror back on everyone that walks the door and letting them know that they're so empowered to create the life that their their heart is their heart has the map for, which is like the consistent thing. I know everyone has the map to their own journey and their own happiness. Um, so that's that's one frequency in a nutshell. Oh, I'm just taking it in. You know, I'm I'm letting it like wash over me the fact that this is occurring when you said oh i could cry thinking about this like moved by this idea of standing shoulder to shoulder you know doing it together like moves me deeply 
because it's like that's yeah. what it's we the do. only way it's, it's the what only we do way. yeah it's what it's what we do i mean yeah. i've said this for a million years about even the even the life coaching that i do you know what i mean it's it's i don't have the answers and that's the liberating part for yeah. me as a person who is holding that version of space for someone you know what I mean? Like the medicine is always yeah. different to your point that psychedelics are, we talk about those um, a lot on the show, but it's not the be all end all medicine. There's, I think, I believe quite deeply that a huge reason why my work with psychedelics and others that I've seen have been profoundly transformative is, is yes, accessing those space and spaces and clearing old energies and ideas and purging different poisons from our bodies and minds and spirits but also in the sharing after the sharing Mm -hmm. alongside the sharing within that being together being seen and known and safely held for exactly what you are and what you are experiencing however fucking weird or gross, or shameful, or joyful, or wonderful, or enthusiastic, or whatever, that is powerful, powerful medicine. And so it's it's wonderful to hear that, because I feel like why I think I get emotional is certainly wanting that for myself, the young girl inside me that wants to be cared for and loved and parented in that way, too. But also, it's very validating for what I've been doing for the last 20 years of my life. Actually, more as a leader in the skydiving space. It's like, I'm great at skydiving. Don't get me wrong. I'm excellent. I'm a world-level performer. I can do it. But why I'm really a champion in that community is because I love people and I help them along their journey and that's always been what I've cared about in that space also so it's just like such a beautiful reflection for me to see people and bear witness to you and get to know you and get to share you and feel like yeah I'm 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 on I'm on the right track quote unquote you know what I mean (laughs) like not that you can be off track but I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling again, but totally. I feel like it's a really no, beautiful, wonderful totally. thing. You're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there's there's so much suffering. And also there's so much awareness of the suffering because we are moving into a higher awareness. So the first things that, you know, when you are on your consciousness expansion journey, at least for me, it was like, you know, you're you're promised this enlightened Buddhic path and you 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 start going down it and there's really no way to turn back because a mind stretched by a new experience can never go yes. back to its original shape. Um, but a lot of like those early years, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I kind of want to turn around. Like, I don't think right. this spiritual path is making me more connected. <laughs> like, what is going on here? But it was because when you start your awareness journey, you're looking at shit that you haven't looked at likely for your whole life and you're yeah. confronting patterns and radical self-responsibility about your own beliefs that you're kind of just validating and getting addicted to your own suffering. And that was hard to look at for years. 
yeah. years and just be like, you know, oh, I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. I feel like I'm not healing. And then all of a sudden it's just like, right, there's no really end destination to the healing. Like while we're incarnate, we're just here to walk shoulder to shoulder and hopefully just continue to evolve and make sure that um, the younger generations are dealing with less trauma in their body because we've worked through more of ours and on and on and on. It just gets exponentially better, even if it feels exponentially harder right yeah. now, um, which I know that is like where the collective consciousness is, is right now everything just feels exponentially harder, but it's because we're at a chaos. We're at a tipping point where a new paradigm is like literally right there on the dawn. It's right here. Yes. And that's why I'm just so grateful for if you're listening to this and you're incarnated right now, you are a being of incredible power. Even if you seriously, even if you haven't left your couch for the past year, my God, you being here, like you had to audition to be here during this time. So I just want to honestly leave it on that note that like if you are incarnate listening to this right now, you are a being of massive importance and massive power. And I just honor you and thank you for being here during a time that we knew was going to get insanely chaotic, really confusing, um, because we have the power to transmute that and alchemize this world into um, the one that we all know. I know that we all know is possible and feel in our hearts and we're creating it right here, right now. And I'm just, yeah, I'm honored to be on earth at this time. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That is the perfect mic drop let's end it there <laughs> moment because Perfect. fuck yeah i couldn't say it any better than that that is for sure <laughs> before we close how can people connect with you website like what socials what what can we share with people and then we'll and then we'll close yeah um so my writing is the frequency evolution um and that is like just snippets of my writing and my take um and just little samples from the book and then our retreats are we are one frequency.com um and our social is we are one frequency and obviously trailblazers trailblazers presents.com um and i think i think that covers it Ugh, kim you are a fantastical radiant beautiful ball of light and i am so grateful to know you Thank you so much for spending time with us today and sharing all that you have. And just seriously, your energy moves me deeply. I love you dearly. And I'm always here for you. Mira, Mira, sister, thank you for creating this, this platform to help people. I love you. I'm so happy we got to drop in. And yeah, I'll, I'll trust the journey. <laughs> yeah, onward. <laughs> onward. Oh, I love it.